Check this out. In sports, there are smart moves, and then there are moves that are not as smart. You know, like making sure to get to practice on time, that's smart. Parking in the coach's spot, not very smart. And the same thing is true when you're hiring. There are smart ways and not so smart ways to get things done. Like job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes, that's just not smart. But posting a job on ZipRecruiter and letting them find the right candidates for you, that's smart. That's brilliant. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and then actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why it's rated number one by employers in the U.S. based on Trustpilot rating of hiring sites with at least 1,000 reviews. And right now, if you're listening, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash clones. That's right. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash clones. So if you're looking for a smart way to find the right talent to hire for your team, just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash clones today. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter.com slash clones. Happy New Year to one of my favorite talk show hosts of all time, Jim Rome. I appreciate you having me on, Jim. I know you're busy as well. I'm more than happy to be a part of this, and I just wanted to let you know that my man Toby from Houston says hello. Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. This is episode 65, and my guest is the one and only Boomer Esiason. Boomer, a four-time Pro Bowler and an NFL MVP. He was the NFL's 1995 Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner. He played 14 years in the league, and since he has hung up his cleats, Boomer, of course, has become a media mogul. He is the host of Boomer and Geo on WFAN and the CBS Sports Network. He is on Inside the NFL on Showtime. And, of course, you can catch Boomer and the rest of the NFL Today on CBS crew throughout the playoffs and prior to Super Bowl 53 on CBS. You have heard him time and time again in the jungle. And right now, he's coming onto the pod for the first time ever to chop it up long form. You've heard him repeatedly in the jungle and right now he is coming onto the pod for the first time ever to chop it up long form so pot up and get ready for boomer assassin Boomer, let me first start by saying that most people do not understand this, but I do. You co-host a morning show Monday through Friday. You do the NFL and CBS on Sunday. You do inside the NFL during the week. You've got a ton of activity outside of being on the air every week. So this was a very big ask, and I appreciate you stopping by to do the podcast. (laughs) Happy New Year, Boomer. What's going on? How are you? Yeah, Happy New Year to one of my favorite talk show hosts of all time, Jim Rome. I appreciate you having me on, Jim. I know you're busy as well. As uh, every now and again, you fly across country, you join us in the studio for NFL today, which uh, always livens things up. But uh, I'm more than happy to be a part of this. And I just wanted to let you know that my man, Toby, and Houston from Houston says hello. Man, you're the best. I'm so glad to hear yep. that. I am so glad to hear that. In fact, on that note, Boomer, the clones, the jungle clones absolutely love you. And they're always asking, when's Boomer coming back on? When's he coming back on? Because of things like that, you shouting out to Toby in Houston. The only thing better than you doing that here is you doing that on the NFL and CBS. Do you still hear from the clones from time to time? I do. I hear from them all the time. I mean, you got a lot of uh, crazy fans out there. They love your podcast. They love your radio show and TV show, by the way. And I love your, your general take on things. And people are always reaching out to me on Twitter and everything else. And uh, 
it's all good natured. That's the best part about it. They, I think they take their sport seriously, but I think they also understand a good sarcastic take on things and a little, to be a little bit cynical and have some fun with it is pretty good. You know, Boomer, you get it. You've always gotten it. Before we talk about the matchups and what happened over the weekend and a look ahead, you mentioned the NFL on CBS, and I want to say that I've got a small role on the program, but it is an absolute blast to be a part of it. You've been there for multiple iterations of that show now. So what's this season been like for you personally, and what do you make of the chemistry of this group? You know, the last few years have been great uh, since we added Nate and Phil to the mix. Uh, you know, it, I, I enjoyed working with everybody I've worked with, but for whatever reason, whether it be Nate's take on things, the different younger vibe there, or Phil's curmudgeon-like <laughs> personality and the interaction between he and Coach Cower, and, you know, Coach and I have been working together for 10 years. I don't know. I just feel like everything is right, and JB gets all of our personalities, and he plays to our personalities as the host. And there's a really genuine uh, unselfishness or selflessness uh, that we're all, you know, kind of being, uh, you know, we're, we're all in a mix with now. And I, I think we really have found our stride. I, I love working with Shannon and Bart, uh, Tony and Dan Marino. Uh, I actually really liked working with uh, Deion Sanders, as hard as that may sound to believe. Uh, but I always thought he was great television. And I always thought he and I saw things completely differently. Um, so I've been pretty lucky to have some great co-hosts, but I will say my partners the last two years have really found their stride, and I can't wait to get to the Super Bowl down in Atlanta because that's when we do have four hours of programming, which I hope you'll be a part of. And uh, watching all the personalities kind of come together on a Super Bowl broadcast is really the crowning uh, achievement of what I think has been a great season. You know, Boomer, actually, Drew Kaliski said there'll be something for me to do that day, but you mentioned four hours of programming. Boomer, I know what goes into just the pregame show. You know, I do my bit and I move on, and you guys stay and you work all day long. What's it like to come up with four hours of programming on the <laughs> biggest day of the year? That I've never done. What's that like? Well, I, I do know this. When the, the Super Bowl was in Houston, we had an armadillo race that took up about uh, 15 <laughs> minutes, so hopefully that's not going to be the case for us. In Atlanta, but Drew and uh, the, the the crew for Super Bowl Fifty did an awesome job, uh, you know, uh, out in San Francisco, and and uh, we just had a great time. And they have really so many of these segments all broken up, and they move us around a little bit. And uh, Super Bowl, if Super Bowl Fifty is any indication as to the way this Super Bowl is going to go down in Atlanta, it's going to be a blast. I mean, I I, I don't know. It's a, it's a great job, Jim. You and I talk about sports you know we're not you know curing cancer or any of that stuff and we talk about all the different you know sports together as well as football and all the drama that surrounds all these teams and personalities I mean I think that's like the greatest job in the world I don't know how you feel but to watch a football game on Sunday with Coach Cower, Phil Sims, Nate Burleson, James Brown and the entire crew at CBS and I get paid for it, you know, don't tell anybody that I'm that I'm actually enjoying myself. Hey, Boomer, you you played that game at the highest level. If you think it's the best job in the world, you can only imagine how I feel showing up there and sitting around you guys. <laughs> it absolutely is the best job in the world, which is why I try to work as hard as I can at it because I don't want somebody to take it away. It is the best job in the world. So if we're going to end up with one of the best Super Bowls, let's quickly break this down. Let me ask you about your guy Frank Reich and his Colts. They go into Houston, they punch the Texans in the face, they manhandle and they dominate them in their house. What impressed you the most about their effort? Boy, I'll tell you, there's so many things to like about the Colts now, and it goes really back to the offseason when Chris Ballard was fortunately broken up with uh, from Josh McDaniel's standpoint, and he found Frank. Uh, Frank, uh, from my perspective, is one of the most humble athletes I ever remember being around when we were all playing at that time. 
Uh, he was my roommate, and I think the reason we got the got along so well is, you know, because of the way he was and the way I was. Our our personalities meshed perfectly. You know, here's a guy that doesn't scream and yell. Here's a guy that doesn't curse. Here's a guy that very rarely ever raises his voice, and he treats people uh, like they want to be treated. And he's fortunate that he has number one a great general manager that had an unbelievable draft. Actually, drafted two All Pros in their rookie year. And then on top of that, he's got a Ph.D., a quarterback, that they didn't know whether or not he was going to come back. And Frank didn't even ask about Andrew's health from a playing standpoint. He just wanted to know if Andrew was going to be okay. And they really didn't know whether or not Andrew was going to be back. So what I saw on Saturday, especially in the first half, was the culmination of a really, really talented football player being paired with a great play designer, play caller, and a fearless play caller, as we saw last year in the Super Bowl when he was – work with Doug Peterson. So none of this is surprising to me. The, the biggest thing that is surprising to me is just how well their defense has played over the last probably five or six weeks and how committed they are to playing that cover two. You heard Booger talking about it on Saturday. It's the old Tampa two thing, that kind of defense, and it's pretty simple, and it requires one really true attribute from all 11 men on the field, and that is effort, and that's exactly what they're getting. So – uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they go into Kansas City and win. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I would imagine that the quarterback with the ball last, Jim, is going to have an opportunity to win the game, much like Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky last night. You know, we'll talk about that, too, and they're so physical, Boomer. One more thought about your guy, Frank Reich, and the way you laid that out, that he's as humble an athlete as you've ever been around. He does not curse. He does not raise his voice. I mean, I thought that was something that most coaches – I don't want to say all coaches, but most coaches do. How is a guy who's that humble, who does not raise his voice, who does not curse, how is he so effective leading alphas into battle? Well, you know, here's the thing. Why hasn't he had a job before this, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the real question. Now, he did a ministry down in North Carolina before he got back into coaching, and uh, Bill Polian gave him an internship at the uh, Indianapolis Colts under Tony Dungy back in 2006. So he got started late <clears throat> in his career and the good thing about that is that I think his ministry and his, I think his commitment to the families in North Carolina really got him ready to take care of what he's doing now. And I think his younger players look at him as more of a, an older kind of uh, distinguished type. I, you know, I don't, I'm just going by what I see. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but um, I also know that he's a, he's a, he thinks things through. He, uh, I'm impetuous. I'm impatient. That's why I could never be a coach. He is patient. He is uh, very methodical. That's why he was a better student than I was. Um, but the, the thing about him is that he carries a message uh, that I think is real, and I think the players recognize that, that he is not political in any way, shape, or form. That's why I feel like the last 10 years I've been like his promotional hype man. Right. Because I feel like people didn't even know who he was because he wouldn't tell you. And now to see him uh, ascend to where he is now, Jim, at this age, at the age of 57, and doing it with guys from, you know, Andrew Luck all the way down to Darius Leonard and connecting with all these players, it really does my heart justice. Yeah, it's amazing. But you knew. You knew because you knew the guy. Boomer, in terms of quarterbacking, let's jump to the NFC really quickly. The defending champs, the Eagles, go in. They upset the Bears at Soldier Field, and then Nick Foles does more Nick Foles things. He's 4-0 since taking over for Carson Wentz. He's 4-0 in his last four playoff starts with the Eagles. You know this. Uh, bottom line, I mean, is Carson Wentz the better talent, but is there any argument that Nick Foles might be the better fit in the offense? What do you make of that dynamic? 
Well, it's a tough one for Philadelphia because Nick is only 30 years old, and he certainly performed in the biggest spots. And yesterday, there wasn't a bigger spot. You're on the road. You're in Soldier Field. You're against the number one defense, and it's fourth and goal. And they call sprint right and Z out, and you're throwing it to a receiver that you really haven't played with very long in Golden Tate. And i got to tell you, Golden Tate ran a beautiful route. You want to learn how to run a route in a big spot and to do it convincingly to give your quarterback somewhere to put the football Watch how he hesitates at the top of his route and then goes to the sideline. He doesn't panic. It's not as if, you know, he's trying to get out there uh, before the quarterback is ready to get out there. I mean, the understanding on a play like that in a big moment like that speaks volumes of the two players that actually made the play happen. By the way, it's one of the simplest plays in the West Coast uh, offensive playbook, and they run that first day of practice, and they'll run it on Friday before the last game of the season. That's how much they work on that particular play. But there has to be like a little bit of subtlety to make sure that that play actually is completed, especially in a big spot. So give credit to Nick Foles for, for throwing it and give credit to Golden Tate for making the play and running the route the right way at the right speed at the right timing. And then, you know, what do you say? I mean, I don't know. They, they probably should have lost the game. Cody Parkey's got to hit that field goal. I know the ball was tipped. But at the end of the day, maybe it is a little bit of Foles magic. And now, if they can do that on the road in New Orleans, uh, I, I just want to be Nick Foles' agent because the further he goes, the more he's going to be worth to a team that is going to be looking for somebody to get behind center and lead their team to the playoffs. So it, it's a tough decision for Howie Roseman and Nick Foles, uh, but Nick is going to get a big payday here uh, just based on that game alone and maybe even that play alone. Then you've got the Chargers and Ravens, and the Chargers, Boomer, had won 12 games, and what was their reward? A trip across the country to deal with the Ravens, who had beaten them in Week 16. What do you make of the way the Chargers went to school on that loss, and specifically the game that Gus Bradley called for them defensively? I thought seven DVs against uh, you know uh, Lamar Jackson, a very fast and quick, like cat-like quick uh, quarterback, was brilliant. And, and here's the thing: you know, it's hard to beat a team two weeks out of the last four weeks of the season. And by the way, the Chargers, you could say they went 12-4 and four and, and won across country, but if they would have beaten the Ravens the last time they played prior to yesterday's game, they would have had the number one seed in the AFC. So they have nobody else to blame but themselves. And they really, I mean, they responded. And the way that they responded, I thought, not only defensively, which was great. Remember, they are playing a rookie quarterback in his first game, and I think it was his eighth game overall as quarterback. So it's not that big of a shock that they were able to do that. But for me, it was the offensive side of the ball that lost them the game the first time these two teams played. Four sacks, turnovers, fumbles, uh, and they got away from their game plan. I thought that Ken Wisenhunt called a very sound, solid, cautious uh, offensive game against this Baltimore Raven defense, thinking in the back of his mind, and I bet you Anthony Lynn told his coordinators this, listen, guys, we are not losing this game to a rookie quarterback uh, with our defense. We're just not doing that. And the only way we can lose is if we turn the ball over and give them good field position. They had a field goal blocked. They had an, a punt deflected, and they did. My, uh, Williams uh, fumbled the ball, extending, trying to get a first down. So even with those mistakes, that tells you how good their defense really was and how cautious their offensive game plan was. All right, so to that point, doing it on the road in Baltimore against a rookie quarterback, even as dangerous as Lamar Jackson is, that's one thing. Doing it in Foxborough against arguably the best ever is something totally different. You know, Boomer, we're going to hear this a thousand times this week, but Phillip Rivers and the Chargers are 0-7 versus Tom Brady and the Pats, but Rivers is playing arguably as well 
well as he ever has. That defense can create some problems for opposing quarterbacks. Is this the year he and the Bolts finally get over on Brady in the pass? You know, for Philip Rivers, I hope it is because it's not about validating his career. His career is already validated. You know, he is the Dan Fouts of this era for the Chargers. You know, he may not make it to a Super Bowl, but he's definitely a Hall of Fame player, and I think we all agree with that. Uh, this is about solidifying his career, and I said this yesterday in the NFL today that for Philip Rivers, he needs to have his Eli Manning moment. And if you go back to 2007, everybody wanted to run Eli out of New York. He was not playing well. They did not have a great season. They go on to that magical run. He has a great NFC championship game against the San Francisco 49ers, and he's crowned not only Super Bowl MVP, uh, Super Bowl champion, but Super Bowl MVP as well. And this is really, for Philip Rivers, I think for the, the, the people in the media that like to write about things like this and the, the fans like to compare players and all that other stuff, this would be a crowning personal achievement for him if he can pull it off. And, you know, it's not going to be easy. He's got to go on the road against the number one defense in the AFC in Baltimore. Now he's got to go to Gillette against Bill uh, Belichick and Tom Brady somewhere where he hasn't won with those guys on the field. And then, of course, he's going to have to go on the road again, most likely, unless Indianapolis upsets Kansas City. And then he's going to have an AFC championship game in a freaking soccer stadium. So there's a lot of issues here that Philip Rivers has got to overcome. So for somebody that is sitting in my seat and sees this and understands what this would mean to Philip, I'm certainly sensitive to that and, 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 uh, and kind of am rooting for him. But I... I think this is going to be a really difficult game for them because it's completely different from the game that they just played against Baltimore. This is going to be more of a heady game. He's not going to be under the pass rush that he was under this past week. And Bill Belichick is going to say, you know what? Melvin Gordon ain't beating us. Phillip Rivers is going to have to beat us. So he's going to have to throw the ball at least 35 times to 40 times, I believe, in this game in order to beat the Patriots. And that will be a crowning achievement if he can get it done. You know, freaking soccer stadium. That that would be the crowning achievement right there if this guy got yeah. a chance to do it. You imagine <laughs> that? But that's a badass soccer stadium, though. That That's the best soccer stadium ever. Yeah, but you know what? I, I actually feel bad for the San Diego fans. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. You know, for the people yes. in San Diego, they did nothing. They they, they, they they bought tickets. They supported the franchise. They love their players. They, you know, it's, it's basically the fact that, you know, here they have one of their best teams they've ever had. And, of course, they're in L.A. playing in L.A., which is really the hard part for, for somebody like me who's been in this league and always think of the Chargers as a part of the San Diego landscaping community as opposed to the L.A. one. Remember the year 1999? Great year, right? Yeah, well, we're officially 20 years past that. So if you're no longer partying like it's 1999, then why does the software that you use every day at work feel like it's not quite ready for Y2K? Start the year off on the right foot and find software that's, you know, a little more up to date. Find it on Capterra.com. Capterra is the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. With over 700,000 reviews of products from real software users, discover everything you need to make an informed decision. No matter what kind of software your business needs, Capterra makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. As an example, here in the jungle, we have got several hundred affiliated radio stations. I need to stay on top of it all. I need the right software. Capterra helps me with that. Visit capterra.com slash Rome for free today to find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business. Capterra.com slash Rome. Capterra, that's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash Rome. 
Well, I can tell you something. I was born in Los Angeles, and I worked in San Diego, and I live between the two cities right now. Trust me, those Charger fans, all they ever did was love that football team, and the only thing they hate more than losing them is losing them to L.A., who they hate most of all. So that is a really <laughs> bitter pill to swallow. You know, you mentioned, it's kind of funny, you mentioned Eli Manning. They were trying to run him out in 07. If they were trying to run yep. him out in 07, how the hell is he still there in 2018? What are the Giants going to do with Eli? That's a really good question, you know, um, and I, I respect Eli. Uh, actually, you know, if my daughter brought him home and said, hey, Dad, this is who I'm going to marry, I'd be like on my knees thanking God. That's how much respect I have for Eli Manning as a human being, as a person, and as a quarterback who actually has accomplished a lot in this league. But the last five or six years, you know, while you could throw for 4,000 yards and you can put up big numbers and throw a lot of touchdown passes, you have to be more than that. And uh, he's got Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and, and this team has not gotten any better offensively over the last three years. So uh, essentially it always comes back to the quarterback, and you can always talk about the offensive line, but that offensive line paved the way for 2,000 yards in a rookie, uh, rookie record-setting season for Saquon Barkley, but yet their passing game was just so inconsistent, and his accuracy is the thing that I get bothered by. So I can't imagine the Giants bringing him back for $23 million. The question is, what is the alternative? Will they draft Dwayne Haskins if he decides to come out of Ohio State high in the draft with the number six overall pick? Or will they come to some sort of financial agreement with Eli? Now, you know, the Mannings don't usually leave money on the table. They take every dollar they possibly can, and rightfully so. I would probably do the same thing. But maybe they reformulate his contract to be a little bit uh, less cumbersome on their salary cap and they let him play towards incentives like Tom Brady was playing for this year. Unfortunately, he didn't meet him, but I think Tom would probably tell you, hey, I can make so much more in endorsements as long as I'm playing in the playoffs, and that's what really matters. So uh, I don't know the answer to that right now as I sit here with Eli, but I'm starting to hear rumblings that they're thinking about going in a uh, different direction. Hmm. You know, Boomer, you mentioned your daughter. I mean, hypothetically, but you mentioned your daughter. I want to ask you about your son, Gunner. Now, Gunner was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at a very early age, and then you and your wife, Cheryl, formed the Boomer Esiason Foundation soon thereafter to fund research, among many, many other things. For those who don't know, how old is Gunner now, and how's he doing? <clears throat> well, it's a good He's 27 years old, and he's just had the most amazing year that I think any of us could have ever expected. So I don't want to get too technical with the disease of cystic fibrosis, but when he was diagnosed, uh, the median age was 19. It's now well over 40. That does not include lung transplants. That's just your basic disease of cystic fibrosis. So uh, it's a lung disease. It also is a digestive disease in many patients. Gunner is your atypical CF patient, lung problems, and also digestive problems. Well, you know, over the last 25 years, we've invested, our foundation alone has invested in, in conjunction with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, over $50 million in drug development. And there's a company out there called Aurora Biosciences in South in uh, San Diego, who's been uh, one of the pioneers in creating new and uh, improved drug therapies uh, for cystic fibrosis. Gunner happens to be on one of the trials that came out of there that is now being brought to market by Vertex in Boston. That drug is called Kaleidico. There's also Syndico and uh, there's one other, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but Gunner has gone through an entire year without an intravenous antibiotic for the first time in the last 15 years, Wow! or maybe even longer than that, maybe 20 years now. And they go on intravenous antibiotics, Jim, to fight the lung infections that are marked by chronic bacterial infections. Those infections have been 
basically stopped almost dead in their tracks with this new pill form drug that has come from Vertex. We are living a medical miracle as we speak. We're not cured. We have not cured the disease, but we are well on our way to doing that. And Gunner, for the first time this year, played on our hockey team, and we played 40 games together. Normally, he'll make five or six games over the last 10 years. This year, he made 38 out of 40 which tells you the effectiveness of this new drug. God, Boomer, that's amazing. I mean, that, that is really, really amazing. All of it's amazing. I mean, you've got to be so proud. You've been so tireless, you and Cheryl and your entire team. What's it like, though, to skate with Gunner? <laughs> I yell at him a lot. <laughs> I want to treat him like I yell. I, I treat right? everybody else. You know, I, don't, I feel sorry for himself, so I'm all over his ass. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, unlike Frank Reich, I do curse and I do yell. And it is a stupid men's hockey team, but it is our hockey team. We all love it. We've been doing this for 10 years, and Gunner's right in the middle of it. So I have to tell you, you know, he has taken the mantle from me now. He is the spokesperson. He's the guy that goes out and gives the national speeches. He's the one uh, that does the blog. He's the one that does the Twitter feed, and he does his podcast. He is active. I never expected him to take the mantle like this, but uh, he has taken it, and he has run with it. And I couldn't be any more prouder. That's so great. Listen, before you go, how about a couple of quick thoughts about some coaching things, especially as it relates to one of your former teams, the Jets. In fact, right now, Boomer, what's a better job, the Jets job, head coaching job, or the Browns? That's a good question. Uh, they're both very good jobs, I think, because of, first and foremost, the quarterbacks. Uh, the thing I did yesterday in the NFL today, I, I ranked my job uh, – openings that if I had the choice, this is how I would rank them. I put Cleveland number one and I put the Jets number two. I think Cleveland has got a playoff roster or they're very close to having a playoff roster. I think that John Dorsey's done a really good job there uh, with the trades, with the, with the draft choices. The selection of Baker Mayfield was great. They finally have an attitude. They just got to get the right coach if they don't keep Greg Williams there. And I think that they are ready to take off. So the only thing I worry about there is the impetuous and patient owner, the craziness that goes around, the dysfunction of the ownership, which we could say probably about all 32 teams, not just the Browns. And then when I look at the Jets, I, I think Mike McCarthy is the guy for that team. Uh, I, I think that they need to sign him, and I think they should sign him in the next two to three days, and I think they should allow him to go out and get his pick of the assistant coaches because that's the key. Get the guy you want, make the decision, give him – control of who is on the roster, maybe not control the draft, but who's on the roster, sign him to a five-year extension or a new contract and let him get his coaches in here and let him coach Sam Darnold and give the Jets some legitimacy on the sidelines. So that, that's what I would do, and that's what I'm hoping is, is, uh, is, is in the midst of happening with the Jets as we speak. Then finally, what about another one of your former teams, the Bengals? I think we know how the Bengals approach these things. <laughs> what do you make of reports that he, they might consider Hugh Jackson? And ultimately, who do you think they're going to end up with? Well, I think I started those reports when you was fired from Cleveland saying that he's going to be hired by Cincinnati. I didn't realize it was going to be immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. I, I, would, I, I would not go down that road with you, Jackson. It's just a credibility thing now with you. It's unfortunate it didn't work out in Oakland or in Cleveland for him. He may be a good play caller, a good play designer, may be able to get through to some of the players. Uh, but I, I would like to see them move as far away from him and, uh, and Marvin as they possibly can. You know, it's time to move in a different direction, fresh set of eyes. I'm hearing Bill Lazor may have a ch an opportunity to that job. Now, he's on the staff there. The reason he would have that opportunity is because he knows how that, the Bengals run their business. And that's, that's paramount to anybody going in there. If you go in there, you have to understand 
how the Brown family runs the Bengals business. And if you're understanding of that and you realize that there will be some things that you will not be able to accomplish because of the way they run the business, then you'll have an opportunity at a job. And you may be there for a long time without winning a playoff game or a Super Bowl. So that's the good news about that job. I just thought of something, Boomer, really quickly. The Golden Globes were last night. If I'm not mistaken, you are a SAG voter. Did you vote for Best Picture? Uh, I voted. I voted for uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Huh? You like that? I, I love the movie. I mean, I'm look. I'm not one of these technical people that get into all the acting methods and everything. But I just thought the whole. I thought the movie, the Freddie Mercury story, was awesome. Queen was right in my wheelhouse with the Rolling Stones and with Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith and everybody else. I love the movie. I've actually seen the movie three times. I liked it so much. I love it. Do you put the Who in that same category? Is the Who in the same category oh, as the course. Stones? Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. The, the 70s? Are you kidding me? That's what I I'm saying. I hoops outside my, uh, outside my front driveway with my, uh, my, uh, my record player playing out the window to all these songs. I so love that's it. How, that's how I became the athlete that I, that I was. <laughs> I wish I'd known. I would have been bumping tunes sooner. <laughs> yeah, that, that and the fact that you went 6'5", to 25. That helped. That helped. Um, that helped. When, I gra- when I graduated high, uh, college, and then about 260 now. <laughs> Boomer, you are the best. I, I sincerely mean this. I mean, I know your schedule. I appreciate you so much. And for somebody who was an NFL MVP, I'm going to make the argument that you've had as good or better a career after the playing career as you did on the field. Boomer, you are the best. Thank you so much. Jim, Anytime, I just want you to know that you got me in the middle of watching Ozark. I'm just finishing, okay? Tis the season, right? TurboTax Live is a new way to do taxes. It combines tech with on-demand tax pros who can answer your questions and offer personalized advice. Real CPAs and EAs can help you with your return and find all the deductions that apply to you. Their tax experts are there when you need them so you can file with complete peace of mind. TurboTax Live's on-demand CPAs and EAs can not only answer your questions and offer advice, they can even review your return with you going over it line by line. So you can feel confident that you're getting the maximum refund. You've got real tax questions, so TurboTax Live has real tax professionals who can answer them for you. They have CPAs and EAs who are on demand, ready to give you advice and answer questions as you go. Their tax pros get to know you so they can offer personalized suggestions and find all the deductions that you deserve. So whether you're stuck on a specific question or need guidance working through your return, their tax experts can give you the confidence to ensure your return is done right. TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Thanks so much to my man Boomer Esiason for an amazing 30 minutes and the even more amazing shout out to Toby in Houston. No secret why this guy is so revered around these parts. Let me say it once again. Make 2019 the year of the pod. Dive in, subscribe to it, review it, and most importantly, share it. Make sure you tell the commuter or the frequent flyer or the gym rat that you know to put this thing on their phone. Tell them about the amazing conversations and then get them hooked. Enhance their lives, enhance the exposure of this thing. You know this project deserves the run. Because next week, I already have an amazing episode lined up. PGA Tour Pro, Pat Perez. Now, if you don't know Pat, let me describe him to you in two words. American Elk. 
You don't believe me? Then wait until next week. Just make sure you've subscribed and you're ready for that. It is going to be an all-timer. If you're looking for the voicemails, wait on that one more week. A mega double batch is coming out in the Pat Perez episode. As always, appreciate y'all listening. See you Tuesday with Ep 66. I'm out.